Hey everybody, welcome back to the Uninformed Podcast, the greatest thing you can safely put into your ears without getting an infection. I'm your host, Ethan, and I'm joined with Zach. Hey, what's up, Ethan? What's up? I'm here with Jonah. hey yo. Hey yo. And of course, we're here with Harry Jerry. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, <clears throat> all right, gentlemen, let's, uh, let's go back to 1827 in France and meet Joseph Nisaphore Nieps, who took the first permanent photograph of a view out a window of his estate. Hmm. Okay, you all picturing a really, really crappy black and white photograph now? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Alright, now take that and burn it, because we're not talking about that anymore. (laughs) But it's important because that technology he used went on to become the camera, and over nearly 200 years, there's been countless innovations that tie art, engineering, and history all together in one device that changed the way humans communicate, present, and document nearly everything in the physical world. Blah, blah, blah. That's all good and dandy, right? But let me ask you this. When photography was invented, did portrait paintings become obsolete? What do you guys think? No. Yeah, art is timeless, so I would not think so. Well, that's, that's a good point. You, you gentlemen have already brought up some great points. Um, but to answer that, in a sense, it did. Because portraits became hmm. democratized, Ouch. giving them access to the general public. And that stopped it from being the privilege of only the wealthy, right? Portrait paintings were meant to be hyper-realistic and were in high class, high art, high money. But with photography, life could be documented as it was with no alterations or touches from the artist and be done much more quickly. But do they serve the same purpose? And I think you guys already answered this. No, uh, you're right. Um, I agree with you guys. They, they don't serve the same purpose, right? <clears throat> yeah. Portrait photography did get rid of portrait paintings in a way, but not fully, right? And so let's fast forward now. 200 years into the 2010s, right? And here you are, Jonah. You're filling out a recapture test online to prove that you're not a robot. First off, let me just ask you, are you a robot? Okay, good. Um, but you as know far as things. I know, <laughs> well, let's let's see if you are. You guys know what these are, right? It makes you select pictures of buses and nothing else, and you accidentally tap on a tractor trailer, and whoops, now you're a robot. So Oof. we've all taken those tests before, where you're clicking the things to make sure you're not a robot. Um, yeah, that's pretty uh, nervous. Pretty I nervous hate those right. things because it'll right? ask you to click on a fire hydrant, and one little nozzle is on one picture, and then you fail. Exactly. Yeah, like the corner edge, yeah. Exactly. It can be that's, that's a little right. annoying for sure. Well, well, think about this. In the background, while you're doing those, a machine learning algorithm is learning from your inputs what a bus looks like, or a pigeon, or a fire hydrant, or whichever the hundred other prompts it may give you. Essentially, this program is learning to the ability level of a human what things look like in the real world from these recapture tests. And also, side note: now in 2022, the, those machine learning algorithms actually pass the recapture test at a higher rate than average humans. <laughs> so they're actually better than humans are at picking out those things from the pictures. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, uh, that machine learning—that uh, machine learning. Why do they continue to use that test if AI can pass it better than humans? Well, actually, that's a good point. That's a whole topic for another uninformed episode. But the short version mm-hmm. is that. There's uh, a lot more things that the recapture uses to know if you're human, such as your mouse movements. And so they're actually being phased out because, like, as soon as when you enter a web page, your mouse movements of a human are more erratic than what, you know, like a bot would pick if they were, if a bot was 
programmed to spam by a bunch of things on Amazon or, or whatever. The human mouse movement is a lot more you know natural, and so that's actually how the computer knows now if you're a human or not or a robot. But gotcha. that's a whole other side thing. But yeah, so this machine learning or artificial intelligence tech goes on in different labs across the country and propagates itself in different ways, but one way in particular has been of interest lately. And drum roll, because here's the topic um, of today's episode. Uh, it's AI-generated imagery. So I don't know if you guys Ooh. you guys maybe have seen this. So uh, depending on your path of travels on the Internet, you may or may not have come across that. Um, wild pictures generated by AI from a text prompt that have never been seen before. Um, you may have even heard of some of the names that run. Yeah, them, that's like, Dolly. Exactly. Mid Journey is one. Dolly is another one you just mentioned. OpenAI, which is the company that made Dolly. So yeah, hmm. uh, you got Tish. Have you heard of that? I've heard of a lot of AI generated um, stuff, such as uh, AI generated stories. I don't know if you're going to touch on that, but. Uh, yeah, I have heard of AI generated images, which they're very fascinating, very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a. That's... I, I'm the resident old man of the group. I'm sorry. Can you kind of elaborate? Like, I've never heard of Dolly. Exactly. I'm going to do that right now. So, okay. <clears throat> I, I I just want to say I'm the proud owner of a picture of Danny DeVito with meatballs on his face due to uh, this program. So. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's perfect. Is, this is the you guys are okay. the perfect audience right now. Is this then. different than an NFT? Yeah, yeah, NFTs are a different thing. Oh, okay. So, okay. yeah, we're going to – so today we are going to – we're going to dive into the shallow end of this tech and hopefully answer the question at the end. Will AI make digital artists obsolete? Okay? So that's the question. Ooh, but, yeah, so to answer all your questions and kind of get us all on the same page, everyone listening in their cars or wherever, and Jonah and Tish, but not Jared because he already knows. <clears throat> but, Okay. Let's go back. January 2021, the company OpenAI showcased their tech called Dolly, right? Which is a play on words of two things: Salvador Dali, who's a famous, you know, artist, and then the Disney movie Wall-E. Um, so you mix them together, you get Dolly. Um, anyways, yeah. So it was a program where a user could type in any text they could think of, and then this AI would then, in 10 seconds, generate a series of realistic images that matched the text. So you can imagine putting in something ridiculous like a monkey riding a horse on Mars or babies doing parkour and then getting realistic images of both. And, of course, Jared just mentioned that he said Danny DeVito with meatballs on his face or something like that, right? That's right, man. Yeah. So on top of that, it could even handle abstract prompts like pain or existence, dread or fear. Um, it's, It's really powerful stuff. And because of that, it could also be used for some not-so-good things, right? And because of that, it was not released to the public, but only to a handful of developers who then shared some of those cool images on social media. So, Jonah, to answer your initial question, basically it is a program where you put in some text and it generates an image that matches that text, but we'll get a little bit more. So I've seen... Uh, pictures on Instagram where people are like, I asked them to type in who would win the Super Bowl, and then this is what it provided yeah, me with. And that's it's just pretty, like a that's, blur. Was is it that a, like was an example of Dolly? Yeah, it was a picture. Yeah, so yeah that's pretty much exactly it. So, oh, <clears throat> gotcha, cool. Yep. So because it uh, it wasn't a, a wide release at first, uh, you had. To, other smaller companies putting out their versions to the public even if their quality wasn't as good 
Um, but still, some people could hop on those copycats, and I say copycat copycats in air quotes there. But uh, some of those copycats are called Dolly Mini or Mid Journey, and people could put their prompts in there and get some crazy outputs. So that kind of did give it to a wider release, and uh, Mid Journey was actually a big one that people were putting in, like you just mentioned, where they'd have posts on social media that said something like, I asked the AI to generate images of death or of the Super Bowl winner 2023 or you know something random like that. That is actually a huge deal, and how it works is very complex, and there's a lot of moving parts, and I don't even understand all of it. But just to get a, a very basic level of knowledge, I have this. I've done some research. I mentioned earlier that there are machine learning algorithms that can get text from images, right, similar to those recapture tests. For instance, yeah. if they saw a picture of if if the AI saw a picture of people camping, they know what a campfire is, they know what people are, they know what trees are and a tent. But a big breakthrough came in 2015. And the breakthrough was that they were able to put those things into a natural language that someone could read. So if they saw that picture of people camping, the the AI would pick out those individual things in the picture, but then it would create a prompt and it would say something like people sitting in a tent near a fire under the trees, you know? And that was called auto-captioning. And so basically that just was a machine learning algorithm that could see any picture and then generate a natural language caption for that picture. The researchers then wanted to do the opposite. They wanted to go a step further and do the thing in reverse. They wanted to generate images from a caption or a description. And they wanted the computer to generate a new image, uh, not just something from the internet because then that would just be the same thing as Google Images. With the computer scouring the internet of images and learning how different combinations of pixels and colors create different things, they were able to get novel pictures from this AI, things that it had not seen in its learning database. For instance, something like a blue apple or a green school bus. Um, it may have actually seen those things because you know those aren't that uncommon, but it's just an example of something that doesn't usually exist. Uh, you know, so they, basically, these researchers made these prompts of something that was not typical that the uh, AI would have found in its time on the internet, and it forced the AI to make a new picture. So it did. The images it produced were small and grainy. So another part of the AI that the researchers developed uh, was called diffusion, and it removed the noise and created an HD photorealistic image. So there you go. The, Two main parts, like I said, very, very brief version of how it works. But two main parts, the image generator and then the stable diffusion that got you a realistic image from any random description. So I have a question. So yeah. how realistic and like how how was the resolution? You said it was grainy. So like did the resolution improve over time or is that like yeah, did. the developer on the or was that like the AI? Like how, how did that uh, work? Right. So... What happened was uh, Dolly 2 was invented, and that so that's a great segue you brought up because that kind of puts us in January of 2022. Um, so, oh, nice. yeah, Dolly 1 was, like I said, January of 21. That was pretty much all of last year, and then Dolly 2 came out at the beginning of this year. And basically the purpose of Dolly 2 was to uh, just make higher-resolution images, make better images, have a wider set of a database. I think also social media blew this up so much that they needed to like increase the servers because so many people were on it. The sites kept crashing too. Yeah, that's that's right. Well, Dolly One didn't have uh, public access yet, but 
It actually does now. Oh, so, did not know. Yeah. It was only to a select people, but I'll talk about having access in a second here. So, yeah, we go to January 2022, and OpenAI, which, remember, is that company that uh, made Dolly, it released Dolly 2, and it was an upgraded version of their AI, AI and people are loving these AI-generated images. They're new. They're hot. They're dun-dun-dun morally wrong, question mark. So, you see... In the initial prompt, you can specify which style you want the image to be, like mm -hmm. photoreal or a cartoon or a Renaissance painting, or even in the style of a particular artist, right? Now we're getting into the murky water because any person with access to this AI can then generate a new image in the style of an artist that's taken years to perfect their craft in 10 seconds. The question then becomes, well, whose art is this now? So for instance, you can ask the AI to paint the modern Dubai skyline in the style of Van Gogh. We all know Van Gogh. He's been dead for a while. Because of that, I don't think he's going to have a problem with this. But you can ask the same prompt in the style of a current artist. And now the lines around this are blurry, to say the least. <clears throat> to make things more interesting, Dolly 1, like I just mentioned, was released to the public a couple weeks ago at the end of uh, September 2022, which gave millions of people access now to this powerful AI. That's a huge deal. Uh, these AI generators are the bleeding edge of tech, and thus the implications around them are still unknown. So I watched interviews with nine professional artists to see what they think, and I have some of their quotes. One of the artists I saw, he said this. If... 10,000 people have access to that same model, will I still be able to make something that then somebody will want to buy? Or don't they want to rather get their own account and make their own images? And why buy my art when you can just find something probably rather similar? Uh, there's millions now, so that's a little bit, uh, it's even worse for his case. <laughs> um, another artist said, You really have to reevaluate, okay, if anyone can do this, what What's the currency now? What, what is the value that I bring to the table? And maybe the currency of the future is ideas. I like this quote because he kind of meant since anyone can create very detailed, elaborate digital art without necessarily having the drawing skill set, then the more important value is the initial idea, um, which, you know, and better initial ideas may, might come from a more artistic mindset. Another artist said... 500 years ago, when they were making those paintings, like in the Renaissance that we love so much to think about, it's like that was the highest technology to reproduce reality. Like that was really high tech. When photography became available, um, painters already knew that like their job would change. Like, and not only photography, but then printing too, improving so fast. Uh, so, like, making paintings nowadays is inherently different from what he meant 500 years ago. Like An analogy that comes up a lot is photography. Um, like I just mentioned, uh, back then, some people would say, oh, photographers aren't artists. The camera is doing all the work. But nowadays, the art field agrees that photographers are artists. You know, they do have an input on the final image. They're the one framing it. They do all, essentially all the footwork. Um, you know, changing the camera settings and all that. So they are artists in a way. I wouldn't even say that. That's <laughs> That sounds bad. They are artists, period. Um, 
I know when we used to go to fairs and see a photographer selling his work, my dad used to say, How is it that you and I could pick up the same camera and shoot the same thing, but yours would come out way better? He was implying that even with the same tool set, the photographer is an artist and thus can produce a more artful image. To help prove that point, if you ever get married, go through wedding photos or photographers because you will definitely notice a difference and your wife, husband, spouse, whomever, they will have a preference. I went through this. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you, you will definitely see the difference in what you were saying. Yep, that's right. And so I'm right there with you. That's where I stand. You know, at the end of the day, artists are always going to exist, just like they always have throughout human history. The only thing that's changed is the tools, whether it be cave paintings or marble slabs or photography or AI image generators. An artist will always find their niche. Just like how photographers didn't make painters obsolete, Dolly 2 isn't going to make digital artists obsolete. But what do you guys think about this? I do want to remind you that this is on the cutting edge right now, and the story is changing every day. Uh, but what, do you, what are I, your guys' thoughts on all that, replacing artists? I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. I think you're always going to have certain groups where they say, no, I don't, I don't want to say don't trust computers, but a person did this. We're going to pay for this. We're going to help this person. And then you're going to get people that are going to say, like, no, like this AI one's like way cooler. I'm going to pay for this one. And then you'll get people that just want to pay for the best product. So I, I think there's a lot of wiggle room within there. Um, I think kind of what this does is you can get famous people that endorse AI-driven paintings or art. You know, if Drake puts his name on something, all of a sudden a $50 painting becomes a $500,000 painting just because he endorsed it. So I think there's a lot of money to be made there for celebrities endorsing arts like this. And they're maybe more so buying it for the people endorsing it than the art it is. I think there will always be a history and certain nostalgia and love for like a hand-drawn uh, portrait or photo or whatever that may be. I mean, look at the Mona Lisa. That was how many years ago? And that's probably the world's most famous painting, or at least the U.S. most famous painting. Yeah, exactly. Um, and a point you brought up about, uh, you know, different serving different purposes that the AI can do and, you know, there's always going to be a place for artists is – one of the purpose that it serves now is this, where, um, in, like I, I mentioned this earlier, but these AIs can put together a set of images in like 10 seconds. And so there's uh, different people on the internet, uh, different digital artists, where they'll do like a challenge, and essentially um, they'll have the same prompt, and then with, of course, in 10 seconds, Dolly 2 is able to make, you know, 10 images or whatever it is in 10 seconds. And then the digital artist, of course, takes longer. He might take a day to complete an image. But then they'll show random people. And pretty much nine times out of ten, the digital artist uh, gets the win, gets the vote from the, the innocent bystander, just because there's more care, more attention to detail, more human touch put into it. Um, when you really analyze those AI images and you really zoom in and you take a close look at them, they start to fall apart in terms of their realism. So there's all there at least right now there is 100% a place for digital artists and they're not becoming obsolete. 
I know we've kind of talked about this before on previous podcasts, but there's a certain human element that people, at least in this era, still long for when it comes to, like, human versus AIs. Like, I don't think a majority of civilization fully trusts AI yet. And, you know, if it's why well, I'd rather give this corporate company my money or, you know, this guy or, or gal who hand drew this painting, I'm going to give it to them. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have this um, explicitly written down, but that's a great segue. So Dolly and all those other AIs, they're trained, of course, on a set, an image set. And typically it's just the Internet image set or, you know, um, there's other ones like this person does not exist.com. If you go to that website and everyone listening, you can go there right now at your home at, on your phones or whatever. You just type in this person does not exist. It'll take you to a website. And that's essentially another AI image generator, but it only generates faces and it'll just show you a random face. And the point I'm making is that that AI image trainer is trained on just pictures of faces and thus it makes faces. Dolly is more general. Of course, you can put any input into it and it'll give you some output, but it still is trained on a set of pictures and that picture set is the internet. And because the internet is, uh, you know, created by humans, it has some bias to it and some human bias to it. You know, it's typically a bit more Western in terms of its theologies, you know, American essentially, and it typically has a bit more of a white influence. Um, and so therefore, when you type in things like CEO or, you know, people in power onto this AI image generator, it'll uh, essentially give more pictures of white people and white men because that's just what the Internet, you know, has. That's what it trained on. And so that is a bit of a human bias to it. So what do you guys think about that? I think that's extremely interesting. And again, this is an art generator. I'm not saying this is what it's used for, but down the line you know the way that our society is going everything is politicized so if you if certain political parties or people say hey go on this site and type in like you know people of power and, and see what what the internet what society thinks you're thinking of all of a sudden it's a bunch of you know white people i'm not saying they're wrong i'm just saying that you could use that to twist like you know items or topics that are very you know uh, controversial or very close and then use that to kind of help sell your point just be like hey this is what the internet thinks yeah yeah, yeah. that's true yeah because uh using ai and like other f- forms like that it's, a, it's it could be a way to potentially like how you're kind of saying jonah spread uh misinformation uh especially i don't want to get too off topic but it reminds me of deep fakes a little bit with how dangerous they can be with say a president or a political figure or some uh authority saying a phrase that uh is not not true at all but seems true because of the person saying it and it's fake because of the ai so uh pretty much what i'm trying to say is ai is very powerful so yeah so to your point zach um and also to your point jonas it right now it won't let you type in uh, like famous people like that, uh, like Joe Biden, yeah. for instance, or, or Obama, just to mitigate those exact issues you had mentioned. But that's just a totally, you know, artificial barrier put on, right? That's not because the system can't do it. That's just because that's kind of like a rule that the people that made it 
put on so that uh, misinformation or whatever doesn't spread. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that is like that is in place right now. That's good. Being the uh, resident old guy of the group, um, and not like I mean I understand AI, but not nearly to the level that you do. You're definitely way more knowledgeable on that than I am. So I look for you to my my technology questions. Okay. Um, but when it when it comes to uh, a, like the program like Dolly or kind of where this AI may or may not be heading, like are there people behind this in, where this could be manipulated to benefit certain groups over others? Is it purely like like program driven where it's, you know, it's just going to figure out what it finds online or does it seek out certain like, like people or topics, websites, whatever to, to generate these, these images. So from my understanding right now, and which is limited to say the least, but from my understanding, so the company that makes Dolly, which is just one of the AI image generators, but it's probably the most famous one. So open AI, I guess is on the forefront. And from my understanding, OpenAI opens it up to the entire internet uh, equally. Mm -hmm. It doesn't bias it towards any, uh, you know, any particular one website. But the in there is just inherent bias in the internet because there is just more content on the internet that has white people, English-speaking people. And so and it's like, you know, not proportionate to the amount of people in the world. There's just... You know, a just an inherent bias okay cool yeah that was a good answer uh just kind of like a pseudo scenario like if all of a sudden all of the tobacco companies out there got together and they said hey all of our employees we will give you a hundred dollars for every uh tweet facebook whatever uh you know you put out there and friends and family where you say smoking saves lives and then all of a sudden, there's so much of that out there, and now pro, you know, AI programs like this. Now they think like, oh, okay, smoking's healthy. Like, let's promote smoking. And again, I know it's just a picture-oriented. Uh, no, that's a great example, actually. So, uh, Jonah, I think in this example, again, the AI itself has no bias, so it wouldn't know whether it's good or bad about smoking. And so because there's more, just more content saying that smoking is good, it would, you know, that would definitely influence the results, of course. I think that that definitely would. Well, does it also depend on the how powerful the AI is, if it can actually search up the st statistics, the stats on what smoking does to a human body, and then from there it can, like, just just leave the, well, that would the be good smoking content aside because it knows just because... Uh, people have sent like Yelp reviews or Facebook reviews on saying how beneficial smoking uh, supposedly is. It could just like base off the facts instead, right? If it's depending on how, how the AI is and how it's made. Yeah, that that would be completely different. That's not. We're just talking. Yeah. We're talking about. A yeah, I, I just thought. I don't know. I, yeah, that would be a, that thinking. would be a completely yeah. different thing. Yeah, and, that's true. That's it, fair. So a better example, I guess, in this case would be like say school buses. Let's say that there are obviously school buses are yellow. But let's say, you know, uh, a paint company for promotional stuff, they decide to paint school buses blue. And so all of a sudden on the Internet, there becomes a, a bunch of new pictures of blue school buses. And that kind of skews the results, like you mm -hmm. just mentioned, Jonah. Um, but in this case, again, it would depend how often that this AI, uh, you know, updates its data set or its training set. You know, if it did it, if it did it once in 2021 and then, then it used 
that from here on out, then obviously anything new, it wouldn't influence it. If it continuously updates it, then obviously it would. So I don't know the answer to that. But let's say it does um, update it. When it saw all these blue school buses, it would, if you typed in school bus into this image generator, it might pull up a blue one. Um, it might make, I'm sorry, hmm. make a blue one. And it has no idea whether if blue or yellow is right. It has no uh, knowledge of that. It just sees what's out there. That, on the that makes total sense. So it's just searching the like most sought or, or sought after or search uh, words, phrases, trigger words that are all used together. And therefore it kind of puts them into like a, a word circle or jumble or whatever that is. Kind of like you can put in uh, like paragraphs and then blow them up and figure out, you know, what words somebody uses the most. The bigger they are, the more they use it, the smaller it is, the less they use it. So it's really just pulling like stats based off of like how, and maybe not popular, but uh, like yeah. uh, words and Mostly how, they, common, they, yeah. Yeah. how frequent. Yes. Exactly. Also, I was just thinking, um, <laughs> I wonder if there's a way to break uh, an AI like. Uh, dolly in a way so like what if like how like how were you saying before with the school bus example um say since the ai knows that the blue school bus is so popular because it's uh so prevalent on the internet what if someone just typed a red school bus they, they were more specific with their criteria would the ai be able to create that image I mean, that's oh yeah, that's the whole purpose, right? That's so the whole point. Still yeah. be able to, but it might take a while, maybe since it's so scarce. Well, no, because no, no, that's that's the whole point no. of this. So essentially, okay. yeah, All if right. you type in red school bus just, or, yeah, or let's say sure. blue apple or whatever, it knows yeah. what red is, right? It knows that the color sense. red, and it knows what a school bus is. Yeah. And the the whole point of this is that it can create a new image that's never been seen or created before, yeah. based on that's right, you know existing things it's it's essentially like again back to the whole who's who's uh whose work is it uh, like if you ever have taken yeah. magazines and cut pictures out and made a collage right it's similar yeah. to that mosaic, just, yeah. yeah exactly a so collage like that, mosaic yeah. it's kind of doing that it's taking different aspects from existing images and creating a new image there's a okay. like a famous quote that uh good artists create great artists steal or something like that and that's mm, that's right kind of similar like to quentin happening. tarantino yeah, I think I don't know who said it, but yeah, maybe he did. I was just kind of thinking, like, is there a way to break an AI such as that? Like, how would yeah. you, yeah, so throw, throw it off by like having criteria that's so descriptive, so intricate that the AI just like takes forever to process, or just takes a little too long and poss might possibly crash or just uh, yeah. So to answer that question, Tish, Dolly, yeah. which I have the most experience with now. There's a bunch of them, and they're all trained on different sets. Like Dolly Mini is, I think, trained on a different set. Uh, Mid Journey yeah. is trained on a different image set. Um, so they're all going to be different. But from Dolly, yeah. from my knowledge, the way that Dolly's weakness is spatial, spatial awareness. So essentially, if you say something on top of something, or you know, within, or you know, whatever, on top, below, under, around, those kinds of words, it doesn't know those very well. Is that the only weakness you've seen, or? so far um no there's a lot of weaknesses it, it has trouble with human hands like details are what are make it easily told apart from a real image so details around small intricate parts like fingers or maybe maybe this dude in this picture i'm looking at right now his face is a little bit weird has artifacts digital artifacts which make it you know clearly a fake image um 
Letters are another weakness of it. I forgot to mention that. That's a huge weakness. It cannot do like text or letters. Uh, if you like, there's a lot of funny things. If you type in like a Burger King sign, it'll show you like a photorealistic fast food restaurant sign, but it'll say something similar to Burger King, just something weird like B R G E K J N K, like similar to Burger King, but it doesn't do letters very well. So that's the, another weakness. Hmm. Do you think? I mean, that's probably the whole goal of it, but probably, do you think over time it's, uh, Dolly's going to improve? Yeah, so for, I'm playing with Dolly 1 right now, which was released last year, and they opened up to the public. Dolly 2 is out right now, it's, I don't think it's available to the public, and, um, it's a lot better than Dolly 1, and it, one of the yeah. features that they've improved, um, I guess the direction that they're going from 1 to 2 is, within an image, you can edit and add new things, and it'll put them in the space or in the image in a realistic way. For instance, if you just type in room and it gives you a room, you can like erase part of an image and then say, I want to put a couch there. And then it'll put a couch in the room. But not only that, it won't just like Photoshop a couch in. It'll put everything in, like the reflections off the floor, if the floor oh, is wow. shiny with a couch. Like, yeah, like realistic things that uh, the couch would influence the room. It does those influences accordingly in a realistic way. Tish, answer me this right now. Would you buy an ai generated art uh i have to see the ai <laughs> i have to see the ai generated art for me to make a purchase that's so possibly yeah that's a good that's that's a good answer i would agree with possibly. that yeah jonah what do you think what are you think are, are digital artists going to be obsolete in the future the near future i should say are digital artists yeah no i i don't think so i, I art is uh, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You're going to have people that always crave like oil paintings and you're going to have people that want like this new age, modern digital stuff. So um, if you can find somebody willing to pay, you know, $50 million for X, somebody's going to pay that and you're rich. So I, I think uh, I, I think there's money to be made on both. I got to agree with your answer, Jonah. That's a good answer. But let me just huh. push push on you a bit. What if I said that... Uh, maybe in a few years, the AI-generated art can produce something indiscernible from an oil painting from a res- Renaissance time period. That's when it gets interesting. If you could put up an AI, uh, an AI painting, and then a oil paint from you know seventeen, eighteen hundreds, and you told people there was no difference, and somebody bid fifty million on one, and somebody bid fifty million on the other then I, I don't think there's any more value. Yeah, I agree with you there. Two yeah. things I'll say is, A, if you if we did put up against uh, an AI-generated picture versus like an oil painting, we don't have, the mediums would be different because I don't think right now we have uh, like, you know, a, a robot that can actually produce an oil painting from the digital artwork. So that, that would be, a, I guess, a pro towards the actual oil painting. And then the second thing is, there is an interesting thing that comes up when we reproduce work or create work in the style of someone who's dead. So, for instance, you know, copyright. If you re- yeah, exactly. But if you if you really like the art of you know some Renaissance painter or Monet, or, you know, someone from a couple hundred years ago who is now dead, um, and you want to see more of his work, and you've seen already all of his work you can maybe be you would maybe be interested in buying something that's produced from you know artificial intelligence that uh is in the style of that artist of your favorite artist since 
you know, he or she will not be making anything anymore. But not yeah. to go too far off the yeah. rails, but I know this is an issue with actors. Uh, you know, if Mark Wahlberg, uh, he gets to a point where he's too old to keep acting, but they he's so popular, they want to use his uh, face, likeness, name, recognition, and CGI a young Mark Wahlberg over some you know somebody else's um, you know body, face, whatever. At what point does does Mark Wahlberg acting get replaced by, you know, just CGI Mark Wahlberg? Yep, that's yep. That's happened a few times in the Star Wars movies as well. Fisher, and, of yeah. course, Gemini Man with Will Smith. But I'll uh, add to that. Again, we don't want to go too far into this, but it is happening right now, in fact, with music. Um, let's say an artist has an ad lib that they wanted to add, but they had already left the studio, and the producer thinks it would be good to put that ad lib, you know, a little one-second clip of the vocals somewhere in a song. Uh, there's AI... Uh, voice essentially copycats right and then they can just make the artist say like uh, into the song that was beautiful that's that's pretty cool that's happening right now um all right we got to move on here uh jared i'm gonna ask you this what have you been creating in ai art and what will you create now uh so i dabbled around first i made danny devito with meatballs on his face and then after that, I typed in sad, and I wanted to see what sad looked like. And then I also typed in happy, and so I learned the truth besides, you know, uh, you know what sad and happy is. Um, and then I also did uh, spaghetti noodles made of M&Ms, but that one kind of looked weird. But um, Yeah. That's about well, it sounds like you're uh, really getting out there with the whole AI art thing. And so <laughs> applause to you, man. Yeah, I'm trying to expand my creative horizons. That's good. Well, yeah, that's great. That's great, guys. Um, I hope that you guys all learned something new today, <clears throat> and I hope that you all might be more mindful now when you see that post and you're scrolling on Instagram of some AI-generated art. might look into what made it, Midjourney or Dolly, and uh, who gets the credit for it. Think about those things now while you're scrolling Instagram. But with that, I'd like to leave you guys all. And hopefully you can uh, DM us or send us a message on Instagram or Twitter or whatever social. And make sure to follow us. Leave us a like. And uh, with that, we'll see you next week. Peace out. Peace out. Sarnara. Lock and load. Rock and roll. (laughs) 